BC approaches its watershed moment. Today really for me hammered home one of the frustrations that we're seeing as uh, frontline providers. Why one Vancouver doctor says the population with COVID-19 is likely much higher. Parking relief for frontline health workers. The parking free for all caused by the COVID crisis. And homeschooling begins. How to help your child navigate feelings of isolation. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The numbers are in, and although there is some good news, provincial health officials are reporting another jump in COVID 19 patients in BC. That is right. There are 86 new cases, bringing BC's total now to 970. And we have two additional deaths for a total of 19. However, these numbers represent a 48 hour period. Keith Baldry has more on the impact across the province and some of the positive takeaways from today. We really are in a critical juncture right now in BC. BC's top doctor is making it clear. We are now at a pivotal point in the COVID-19 pandemic. It is make or break time. This is the critical time for us where we'll see if our hospitals that continuing trickle or if we're going to see dramatic increases. While case numbers continue to climb, so too do both recoveries and hospitalizations. So far, there have been 469 recoveries, 48% of the total cases. 106 people are now in hospital, an increase of 25 since Saturday. And 60 of those people are in intensive care, a number that continues to increase and concerns Dr. Henry. The numbers that are really true, if you will, about the more severe cases are the numbers of people that we're seeing in our hospitals and the, the rate that the people are coming into the hospital. Meanwhile, on the medical equipment front, some good news. Just today, we received a, ship a shipment of one million surgical masks. And now work is beginning to turn the Vancouver Convention Center into a medical facility to handle potential overflow non-COVID-19 patients, although not right away. If we start to see dramatic increases in numbers of people in hospital for COVID-19 um, and we need to cohort them so that they are all in the area where they can receive the critical care that's needed, then we would look at moving people who had other illnesses. We would potentially move them into an off-site facility like the, the convention centre should we reach that point. And what lies ahead? The worst is yet to come. We are not through the storm yet. We have not yet reached our peak. We have more people every day who are in hospital and in our intensive care units. So we need to continue to do all we can across government, across our health system, and in our community. All right, Keith Baldry joins us live from Victoria with more. What more do we know, uh, Keith, about who is in hospital, the ages of these patients? Yeah, indeed. That's the question I put to Dr. Bonnie Henry uh, in the briefing today. The numbers in hospital keep going up and the number of ICUs keeps going up. And as you heard Dr. Henry in my story say, those are the numbers that are the most concerning. Here's her demographic breakdown of who's in hospital right now. It is uh, still um, mostly older people, people in uh, over 65, 
Um, although we ha we do have a, a blip of of younger people who are ill with this, uh, many of them healthcare workers, as we know. So, uh, but most people in hospital, and certainly all of our deaths continue to be in older people. We've had very few. Um, we've only had a, a small number, less than five percent of our our cases are in uh, people under the age of 19, and there was only one short hospitalization in a in a child um, that uh, that is no longer in hospital at the moment. All right, Keith, tomorrow night during the news hour, the premier will be addressing the province about the COVID-19 mm -hmm. pandemic. What do you expect him to say? Yeah, it's a 10-minute it's address. He's going to be echoing uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry's imploring people to that the next two weeks are absolutely critical. You've got to keep your physical distance from people. He'll be reviewing the measures that his government is undertaking to help people and businesses. And basically, the message here is going to be a strong one. Everybody's in this together. We have to work together and basically follow the rules from Dr. Bonnie Henry. So look for that at 6.15 tomorrow night on the news hour. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. An emergency physician on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic is warning us to avoid a false sense of security over the latest numbers. His concerns are echoed by a Maple Ridge woman who has yet to be tested despite being sick and caring for her husband, who is now a confirmed case. As John Waugh reports, the doctor says we aren't getting the full picture of the spread of the infection because the province isn't doing enough tests. You're so weak at times, you just don't know if you're going to die or not. With symptoms this severe, Lois Horton and her husband rushed to Rich Meadows Hospital certain they both had COVID-19. 68-year-old Rio was tested, she was not, and both were then sent home. I couldn't sleep. I was so angry that we have had to fight this hard to access health care. As her husband's health worsened, Horton tried multiple times to have him admitted eventually getting him into Surrey Memorial. Days after that first visit, their suspicions were confirmed. Rio was positive for COVID-19. I think it's a false narrative. Every day when you see those numbers posted, we have X number of cases. It's just not true. We have a lot more in our community. Similar frustrations coming from the front lines. Based on our current resources, we are very much under-testing the population. Emergency physician Dr. Sean Wormsbecker posting his concerns on social media. If their oxygen levels are stable, if their heart rate's stable and they're otherwise um, well enough, I, I don't test them because that's the policy and I send them home. The worry is while the province prioritizes testing for healthcare workers, hospitalized patients and cluster outbreaks, those sent home without a test might fall into a false sense of security. I actually don't agree with that. We're focusing on those most likely to have this disease and those most likely to need um, health care or hospital care. With her husband now a confirmed case, Horton wonders why she wasn't seen as a testing candidate from day one. How many people are there out there like me who aren't getting any testing whatsoever? So a message of caution from the health care front lines and potential cases in the community. Don't get too comfortable with BC's position on the COVID-19 curve. John Hua, Global News. Well, it's the drug that's difficult to pronounce and now is becoming increasingly difficult to get for patients who need it. Hydroxychloroquine, an anti-malarial drug used to treat autoimmune diseases, has now been given the green light by the U.S. FDA to treat COVID-19. And as Sarah McDonald reports, medical experts here in B.C. are concerned the hype could lead to a shortage. 
The decades-old drug called hydroxychloroquine, already prescribed to tens of thousands of British Columbians living with ailments like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, is becoming more difficult to come by. As hopes the compound could be an effective treatment for COVID-19 collide with concerns about supply among healthcare professionals like Dr. Antonio Avina-Zubieta and their patients. The shortage of hydroxychloroquine has been already happening since the last week. We know our patients are calling our office because they cannot get the drug. The rheumatologist strongly suspects fellow doctors are now prescribing the drug off-label, something Health Canada acknowledges is happening outside of clinical trials. There's a large studies being done around the world and we're part of it here in BC. One of which is already underway at this North Vancouver care home. So far, the province's coronavirus hotspot. Chloroquine, uh, I think the uh, I think it could be something really incredible. The anti-malarial was given emergency use authorization by the FDA over the weekend, though Canadian health authorities maintain it's still too early to say if it's effective on COVID-19. The jury is still out on whether it has benefit or not, and so we are watching very carefully. The already immunocompromised in this province reliant on hydroxychloroquine have now been advised to stock up on three months' worth. My concern is people who really need it, if they don't have it, they will flare. Though even that is proving challenging. Many only given 30 days' worth by pharmacies. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Now back to that afternoon press conference by provincial health officials and another big announcement by Health Minister Adrian Dix that came out of it. Hospital parking will be free for everyone. Romina Dea is live with more on that part of the story and how the city of Vancouver threw its weight behind that decision. Romina. Yeah, soon after, Chris, the the province made the decision earlier today. So now effective immediately in Vancouver, parking at the meters is free. And those two to three hour restrictions that used to be in effect at the meters, the city is also relaxing that. You're also able to park in rush hour zones and on in residential areas that you're normally not allowed to be in. So that's going to be temporary while the city's dealing with a state of emergency, while the province is dealing with this pandemic. Now, the health minister, Adrian Dix, earlier today, as you mentioned, he also made an announcement that parking is going to be free at hospitals across British Columbia. And this is for everyone. This is for healthcare workers. This is for patients, also visitors. Now, this came after public outrage, after stories started to surface of nurses getting parking tickets for $80 while they were at the hospital lots where they were just trying to do their job. This change makes it easier for individuals to avoid touching screens and buttons at payment kiosks that may have been touched by someone previously and also supports physical distancing measures that have been managed. Now, healthcare workers who are also getting uh, parking fees deducted from their paychecks, they are also going to see a reprieve, said Dix today. Back to you. All right. Thank you, Romina. Now, instead of heading back to school after spring break, BC kids spent another day in self-isolation. The COVID crisis has left many parents and guardians scrambling to educate their kids while also working from home. As Richard Zussman reports, while distance education planning is underway, we're now learning it won't begin for most until mid-April. Living rooms turned into classrooms, kitchen tables into desks, with in-school classes suspended indefinitely, 
parents are taking over. I thought I would focus on sort of what the key skills that they're developing in grade three are. And in my mind, that's reading, writing, and math. With spring break over, principals and administrators were at most schools across the province on Monday, as the school districts still grapple with what to do next. Our schools are reaching out to all of our students and families to let them know that uh, we know they're there, to see how they're doing, uh, to get an idea of, of the actual learning tools that they have. Parents providing essential work for the pandemic are being asked to reach out to their school so their kids have a place to go. The BC Teachers Union says its members will contact all parents this week. Teachers are still trying to figure out a way to keep teaching. What we're looking at is rolling out on, um, learning, whatever that looks like. In some cases, it'll be online. In some cases, it won't be online. It'll, be, it'll look really different. And so that will happen mid-April. The union representing 27,000 education workers, ranging from secretaries to education assistants, say their members are worried about a possible return to school. Well, they're afraid, quite frankly. They're afraid. Uh, they're not sure what to expect uh, when they, if, if, uh, they are asked to come back into work. To facilitate learning at home, the province has unveiled Keep Learning BC, an online education tool. But that won't answer the questions on how grade 12 students are prepared for the next phase of their lives or whether they get the grad ceremony they have earned. What we've said to grade 12 students, most importantly, too, is if you're on track and eligible to graduate right now, you will graduate. Continue to apply to colleges and universities. The other big question is how long will the suspension of classes last? The answer, the province says they just don't know. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. With so many businesses closing or laying off staff, there's a new movement to find a way to financially support employees who are losing their jobs. How some companies, like Tacofino for instance, are turning to crowdfunding and how the money helps in just over a minute. If you could have a message from anybody in the whole world, who would it be from? No, you guys didn't. <laughs> oh, yes, they did. A BC girl battling cancer gets some words of encouragement from her musical idol. That's coming up on the News Hour. And a Van Gogh is gone. The priceless painting that disappeared in a smash and grab robbery. Coming up later. Right now, though, another staggering blow for employees in Canada's airline industry from the COVID-19 crisis. Air Canada now says it will temporarily lay off more than 15,000 unionized workers beginning this week. The layoffs will continue through April and May because of drastically reduced flight capacity. The carrier is also cutting more than 80% of its flights, including most of its international and U.S. routes. The federal government is taking another big step tonight to try to ease the massive blow to Canadian businesses from COVID-19. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announcing today Ottawa's 75% wage subsidy is now open to all businesses as well as nonprofits and charities with one important threshold. Paul Johnson reports. Keeping production going at fast signs in Surrey. We make all sorts of signs, you know, for... All the all businesses around the Lower Mainland. Like many small business owners, Richard Jansen is recalibrating his workforce to withstand the downturn. And he's following the latest from Ottawa closely. This is about making sure that people are still getting paid. Since Jansen wants to lay off as few of his remaining staff as possible and his business would likely qualify, he's considering the federal wage subsidy plan. But wondering, how exactly would this work out? 
I just can't tell if it's going to be any better for our business or for my staff than regular EI would be. It's welcome relief for, for many business owners, but need to see a few more details. Business groups in BC are mostly applauding the program, but point out many critical details are still unknown and will have to be clarified by Ottawa quickly if the program is going to succeed. Of course, wages and employees are just one of many challenges for small businesses right now. A number have reached out to us and told us their biggest worry right now is making rent. And there's no government program for that. One immediate issue is it's a new program to figure out at a time when businesses are overwhelmed. Jansen already knows how to deal with EI and wonders if modifying that might have been the better move though he acknowledges the good intentions. The wage subsidy, it's hard for me to tell what the difference is going to be, if it's going to be more complicated or less complicated. In Surrey, Paul Johnson, Global News. With hundreds of thousands of Canadian workers out of a job because of COVID-19, some companies are using the internet to help their employees. As Grace Key reports, they've set up donation platforms on their websites dedicated to raising money for laid-off workers. With every boarded-up business are employees who have no idea when they'll be getting their next paycheck. But for the nearly 3,000 employees of Aritzia, not a single person has gotten laid off because of COVID-19, and everyone continues to get a paycheck. It's been quite moving for all of us here, and it's it's really um, made us feel that we've made the right decisions here for our people. With all of its stores shut down, you can still shop online, and all profits from the Vancouver-based company will go to the Aritzia Community Relief Fund to support employees and their families. At the time, our people, a lot of people have worked with us for a long time. They've contributed to our success over the years, and so we thought it was important to continue to support them. With an estimated 150,000 restaurant workers out of a job in B.C., that industry is also stepping up. Taco Fino and Super Baba have teamed up to start the Vancouver Food and Beverage Community Relief Fund. Donations will go to basic necessities such as groceries and rent. Think about what you would spend at a restaurant on a Friday night out and just use that amount to donate to get some money into the pockets of these workers that have served you for many years in the past. Relief requests have already reached $18,000. Once donations reach that amount, they'll start taking in applications again. The idea of this fund was to not be an income replacement, but rather um, get funds into the hands of these workers that have lost their jobs as soon as possible so they could at least use the $100 to get some groceries, pay for their prescriptions, or use it in any other way that they needed. It's just some of the things businesses are doing to help people get through these tough times. Grace Key, Global News. While the dining rooms are closed, one popular restaurant chain is turning its locations into grocery stores. Starting today, Earl's Restaurants is now Earl's Grocery, selling a variety of pre-assembled food packs. They include staples such as rice and flour, produce, vegetarian essentials, and protein packs of meat and fish. The restaurant chain is also offering ready-made meals and even coffee and toilet paper in limited amounts. The packages can be purchased online and picked up at Earl's locations. Up next, a local ER doctor goes down with COVID-19. I had a sort of a very insidious or indolent illness that crept up on me quite slowly. His warning to others about the chance of getting infected. 
Also tonight, the scams spreading like a disease, taking advantage of your coronavirus fears. Over here at the Portman Bridge, seeing minimal delays east and west. Just watch out for wood debris if you are currently traveling east. It's uh, just before the bridge deck in the HOV lane. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One. A warning now for anyone who believes COVID-19 is either not a big deal or they have a good immune system and never get sick. It comes from an emergency room doctor who says despite knowing and doing all of the right things, wearing protective gear, washing his hands constantly, he still got sick. So I had a worsening cough. That, that's been markedly worse. Then I had um, an incredible fatigue. And because I work night shifts, I attributed that to being hungover from my night shifts. But it was really the, the, the cough that was not really much worse, um, the fatigue, and uh, two things that I didn't really pick up on because we were wearing masks so much in emergency uh, was the loss of smell and change in taste. And those things crept up on me. It wasn't until... I felt really terrible on Thursday night and developed fever and chills and sweats and drenched my sheets and, yeah, no, I've, I've got the illness. Dr. Finkler wants people to have a healthy fear of COVID-19, but not to panic because he says our province is well equipped to help those who do get sick. Victoria's police chief is pleading with people to stop throwing house parties. That's after his department was forced to break up several over the weekend. As Brad McLeod reports, it seems some just aren't getting the message that social distancing can save lives. Victoria's police chief at his wits end having to repeatedly tell people to stop partying and start social distancing. This weekend alone, nine noise complaints, several parties and big gatherings in parks like this at Saks Point. Here's what the mayor has to say about that. Yes, it's exasperating for a number of reasons. Young people are not immune. Young people think that they're immune, they are not immune. So what demographic is ignoring these rules? Well, the chief says it's kind of a lot of different groups. He says basically it's people 40 and under. And he wants to remind people that this is dangerous for his officers. Because now they're not able to maintain their own social distancing as they're having to respond to a call, uh, an unnecessary call. That we do have an order that prohibits gatherings of more than 50 people. But 50 is not a number that is to be taken lightly. It doesn't mean that you can have 49 people at a host party. Those are the situations that cause this virus to spread and it's going to spread to the people who are closest to us. The chief also took his plea to social media, where on Twitter, a lot of people did respond, many asking, why don't you put them in jail or fine them? Currently, police officers don't and do not have the authority to issue tickets at this stage. I know that there are mechanisms being put in place that will give us that authority moving forward. Um, and so right now we don't have that mechanism. I know that there is something that will be in place probably in the days to come. Now the chief gets it. People want to blow off steam, but he says maybe opt for those video chat parties instead. They're safer. He says there is an increase in crime and he wants his force to be dealing with the break-ins and not enforcing these things that people should already know, like social distancing. Brad McLeod, Global News, Esquimalt.
Well, fraudsters certainly aren't taking a break during this worldwide health crisis. In fact, they're capitalizing on it. Our Consumer Matters reporter, Andrea, joins us with a new warning about scams tied to COVID-19. And Thanks, Sophie. The Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre says it's seen new scams connected to COVID-19 every day, not only here in Canada, but all over the world. And it seems fraudsters are preying on our anxiety. Here are just a few of the many scams to watch out for. Unsolicited calls, emails and texts giving medical advice or requesting urgent action or payment. Never respond or click on suspicious links and attachments and never give out your personal information. Beware of unauthorized or fraudulent charities. If you want to donate, go to the actual charity website. The Canadian Anti-Fraud Agency says merchandising scams are also a huge concern right now. That includes fake and deceptive online ads selling things like face masks, cleaning products and hand sanitizers. In fact, many of the these items are counterfeit and, of course, steer clear of miracle cures, herbal remedies and fake vaccinations. You know, the front is preying on uh, the anxiety right now, um, the anxiousness of people, the sort of that heightened sense of anxiety or fear that that exists right now. Uh, so people really need to stop and think, you know, uh, don't react, um, you know, so beware that the fraudsters are out there using internet, text messages, social networking sites, uh, you know, online ads, every mean possible to, to try and communicate their scams. That there's a variety of scams out there, um, and don't you know if you get something that you're suspicious about, uh, you know, if it's coming to your junk email, um, or if it's coming from somebody you, you don't know, if it's unsolicited, uh, you know, don't click on any links, don't open any attachments, uh, hang up, disconnect, you know, delete, uh, don't respond. Yeah, that's the message here. Do not click on any emailed links since these can contain malware. You'll find a list of scams on the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre website. If you believe you've been the victim of fraud, alert your bank immediately so the payment can be stopped. And if you do come across a fraud, you can contact Crime Stoppers where you will remain anonymous. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Thanks, Anne.